Support for this episode comes from SaneBox. If you suffer from a flooded email the way I do, SaneBox is your cure. To put it simply, SaneBox helps you take back your sanity and actually get important stuff done. Try SaneBox for free and get a $20 credit towards your membership by heading to www.sanebox.com slash tinyleaps. In this episode, I sit down with Sean McCabe and we talk about pretty much everything. So sit back and enjoy the show because you are now listening to Tiny Leaps. Big changes. Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps, big changes where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and today on the show, I have Sean McCabe. Some of you may know Sean as the hand lettering guy or as the course creator, but here's what you don't realize. Sean is a freaking beast. You see, Sean represents the Tiny Leaps philosophy to a T. He started out as a window washer, and through a long series of day-to-day decisions, he built a multi-six-figure business teaching artists and entrepreneurs how to navigate the often tricky world of business. And he's now the author of what will no doubt become a bestseller, a book called Overlap, which we will jump really deep into in the upcoming interview. But Here's what I want to know, and and here's what we'll explore in this episode. How did he get here? We're going to dive into some of the behavioral factors. We're going to dive into the journey. We're going to dive into the story. And by the end of this, Sean is going to feel like we cut him open and pulled out all the juicy tidbits of what we can use to improve our own life. So without further ado, Sean, are you ready? I am ready, Greg. So, so excited for this. Let me just start out uh, for anyone listening that maybe doesn't have the context. I've been following you for some time now, probably two to three years. I I first sort of got introduced to you actually in a YouTube comment on uh, a video from Gary Vaynerchuk. I I saw your profile and and jumped over to YouTube and I'm a big art and design guy and and saw that you did hand lettering, got obsessed and, and sort of have been following your journey ever since. So this is a little bit surreal for me. Um, so thank you so much for being here. I'm pumped to really dive into what has allowed you to achieve what you've done so far, what you think you, you want, still want to do, and, and, and what we can do to support you. But before all of that, let's just establish something really quickly. Let's establish how beastly you actually are. So in a brief a span of time as possible, which may be difficult considering just how much there is, what are you currently up to? Wow. Thank you, first of all, so much for having me, Greg. I've been looking forward to this day, honestly, since we had our last call. You were uh, on the subway and we were were chatting about things and just so much alignment in both of our approaches. And I'm just honored to be here. And you've you've really built something incredible here. And I'm I'm just excited to to see your future. But thank you very much for having me. Uh, as far as what I'm doing right now, um, I'm focusing on helping people get unstuck. People who feel like 
they're in a dead end job. They, they hate what they do or they don't like the people around them. They want something more. They, they know that they're destined for greatness, but they don't know what the next step is. And that's, that's what I'm really passionate about. I, I started writing this book overlap several years ago, three or four years ago. And I, I caught myself fortunately 20,000 words in, I recognized that I was writing the book that I wanted to write and not the book that people needed to read. And I'm really glad that I knew, I, I knew that was the case before I continued with it. I decided to scrap the first 20,000 words. I went back to the drawing board and over the next three years had hundreds of conversations with people that I was trying to help at, at meetups, at conferences, in person. And what I learned is the things that are keeping people stuck it's not necessarily a lack of business knowledge or finances. Those are very important things. But I found that it was, it was stuff like, I have so many passions and I don't know which one to pursue. Or my family doesn't believe in me and I don't know how to get them on board. And so I went back to the drawing board and reverse engineered all of this to first help people get unstuck. And that's what I'm really passionate about right now. And it sounds like, you know, you really wrote this book from the point of view of uh, what is it that people are actually struggling, which which is amazing. Um, but what what really impresses me about you and, and why I started this show by calling you an absolute beast is you're doing that and you have been doing that for the last couple of years while running a full time business, while running conferences. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but but Sean West, the, the business arm of of what seems to be everything that you're doing. Uh, you do courses, you do membership programs, you do coaching, you have an annual conference, you do several podcasts and video series, you do a, an online community, you're now publishing a book, you do speaking, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like, is there anything that I'm missing? Do you still do client work? So that's probably the one thing that I've taken a break from. I, I did client work for about a decade or maybe seven or eight years out of the past 10 years I was doing client work. Right now I'm not, but I do have to tell you something I realized recently is I would go to conferences and you know we teach people all about like content marketing, how to start your podcast, how to produce video, pricing, copywriting, all that stuff. And I, I would share this and I get really excited and people would say, oh, can you do that for our business? And I said, well, well, no, I mean, we're, we're teaching people, but I, I realized I was turning down all of this work while meanwhile, we're building up this uh, community of entrepreneurs, uh, some 700 strong, who are just some of the most talented, creative individuals on the planet. And here we are training them up. They're looking for work. They're on board with our values and our principles. And I'm getting a bunch of work that I'm turning down. At one point it clicked for me. I was like, you know, I should start saying yes. And then I should start bringing the people in our community on. I, so, so as a little bit of a teaser, something I would like to do in the future is uh, start a client services agency. Okay. So one, that sounds like a great idea, but number two, that just sounds like a lot more work that you don't already seem to have the time for. So uh, my question is, how do you balance all of this? How do you, how do you stay focused and, and uh, produce quality work across all of these different pieces of the puzzle and still keep yourself moving forward and, and, and actually making progress? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And it does sound like a lot. It's, it's kind of crazy, but this is, this is something that, that I try and help people with. I'm purposefully saying no to starting the agency right now. I'm purposefully saying no to a lot of things so that I can focus right now on overlap and helping people get unstuck in, in the near future. It will be on launching the software SaaS company that we've been building for three years behind the scenes. But one at a time, I'm trying as best as I can to focus on each thing. My background is in hand lettering of all things, drawing letters by hand, working with big name clients like Rachel Ray Magazine and the city of Las Vegas doing ad campaigns and designs for them. I used to do a bunch of hand lettering. I used to to sell products. I mean, we still do, but I used to make a lot of products featuring my hand lettering. There've been a lot of seasons that I've gone through and what a lot of people wonder when they see an example like this is, well, look, you're known for all of these things. You were a hand lettering artist. You're, you're building software. You worked with clients. You run a conference. You wrote a book. You speak. It, it seems like it must be possible to be known for many things. And it is possible to be known for many things, but it only happens when you focus on building up each one, one at a time. Because we're cognitively limited. We, you know, Dunbar's number says that we can only really have about 150 close relationships. And beyond that, the details of each person we meet uh, start to kind of fall by the wayside. We can't process every single person's complexities. And so when you're projecting everything, you know, your thoughts about the latest TV episode you saw or political drama or a book you've read and the music you've made and the program you wrote and you're, you're projecting everything, people remember nothing because it's, it's noise and we, we tune out noise. And, and so what we notice is clarity. When someone has clarity and it seems like they have a sense of direction, that's when we pay attention. If you're in an elevator with someone and you know, you're like, you're sharing everything that you did that day, what you had for breakfast, showing them photos of your kid, talking about your work, you know, then ding, the elevator has arrived and you've barely even scratched the surface of what you're about. Unfortunately, that person isn't going to remember anything. But if you focused, if you focused on just one thing, that would be memorable to them. And, and essentially, if you curate your output, and by curate, I mean to selectively project a single focused thing. If you focus on what you're about, you stand a chance of being remembered. And over time, as you focus for periods of years on one thing, each one thing at a time, it is possible eventually to become known for many things. All right. I'm just for the record, for, for the listeners out there, I just want you all to know that I'm over here taking a lot of notes because this is a big problem I've faced. This is something that I personally have, have struggled with probably my entire life. You know, I have a billion and a half ideas and many of them are actually pretty decent ideas and, and should be explored. But the mistake I've made up till now is, is not recognizing that you can be known for many things but you do have to do it one at a time. And, and as you find success in each of those things, the end result is that people view you for all of these things, but none of them were ever being built at the exact same time. And, and, and that's something I've had to embrace as this community has grown, as the podcast has grown, and the million and a half 
different directions that I want to take it in has uh, popped onto my plate. So thank you so much for that. One thing um, I, I want to take a quick sort of jump back and, and you're doing so much. You've written this book. You're now doing prom- promotion for the book. You still run a business. You still do courses. You, you still are planning and, and putting on a conference that's happening in September. Uh, you've just got a lot going on um, and, and are very successful at it. And, and congratulations. But inquiring minds want to know, how did you get here? Because in the book, in, in the first chapter of the book, you really sort of dive deep into your journey of, of how you built Sean West. And I know it because I've read the book, but, but my listeners haven't yet and, and they should, but they haven't yet. So tell us, how did you go from being a window washer of all things to a hand lettering artist to now running a multi six figure business? Like how, how does that happen? Yeah. So the book starts with me, three stories above the ground. I'm standing on the top of this roof on a four foot ladder that's near the edge of the roof. My partner at at the window cleaning company, he's at the top of a 32 foot ladder. He's holding the four foot, steadying the ladder as I stand on the top part that says, do not stand. And I'm reaching with my arm extended to wipe the last few drops from the corner of the window. And that's when I'm kind of starting to rethink my life. Maybe this isn't what I want to be doing right now. Uh, maybe, maybe I want to, uh, you know, see my friends and loved ones once more. Uh, it's for me, it's been, I feel like I'm always in this, uh, season of overlapping where I've got the main thing, you know, the day job, the thing that's paying the bills that maybe isn't totally fulfilling me, but you know, it's, it's all right. At least it's not something I hate. I can pay rent, you know, we're good to go. In my nights and weekends, there's always been this theme of a, a creative void or some, some kind of yearning. You know, that thing that you do in your nights and weekends when you have that extra time you, to scratch the creative itch. For me, I've always had this, this passion for something. And that thing has changed. You know, at one point, it was, it was for music. You know, I was in a band. At, at another point, it was, it was design and, and, you know, fixing computers. And when I stepped down from the band... I didn't anticipate this, but I found that I had this creative void when I wasn't playing music and design started to fulfill that, but design turned into a job, you know, working at the web firm. And so, you know, I'm creating hand lettering on the side, just constantly overlapping from one thing to the next. And I don't think I I ever will arrive. I don't, I don't think there's such thing as this state of arrival. I think you're always overlapping. I think even when you get to that place where the thing you want to do right now, like if you could wake up tomorrow and do whatever you wanted to do and still pay the bills and make the money you needed to make, that thing, there's a difference between the idea of it and the act of doing it. You might think, oh, I would love to just write fantasy novels. Like that is, that is the coolest thing for me. If I could somehow make money, I would love to do that all the time. But maybe you really love the idea of being a best-selling author. And when you actually do it, you find out, oh, I don't like the act of waking up every day and writing and feeling like I, I can't write the right words and all the words that come out are wrong. Maybe you don't actually like the act of doing it. And so it's, it's this discovery process. It's, it's this constant overlapping from where you are now to the thing that you want to do. And it's, I think the missing piece is this, 
exploratory phase, right? We hear messages like pursue your passion and do what you love and, and, you know, you can make a living, but it's this exploratory phase that's missing. So many of us, we have the day job, we have the thing paying the bills. There's what we want to do on the side, but there's no, it's just a, a leap, right? You're jumping. There's this gap between the day job and doing this other thing. And we're like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I've got to quit the job and I've got to go all in and hope this works out. But what if you don't actually like the act of doing it? There needs to be this protected time where you just try and do and maybe even fail or maybe find that you don't like doing something. But this, this period where you give yourself permission to try that I feel is missing. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, even outside of that, you know, one of the big reasons that I started this show was um, there there needs to be that period of, you know, let's try and, and see if we like this thing. But I think the the main issue with the follow your passion message is that there also needs to be a period of becoming the person who can do that thing. And, and what I mean by that is, um, if, if you currently work full time, uh, let's say in an office job and you want to go off on your own and, uh, freelance design, freelance hand lettering. And, and, and one of the big things that you're going to run into is maybe you have this skill set of being a hand letterer. And I don't actually even know if that's the term for it. Um, maybe you have that skill set. But there's a million other skill sets around it in order to to do it successfully freelance. And, and that might be building, learning how to build a business, learning how to write contracts, learning how to manage client expectations and, and just a million skills that you need to gain that you don't gain overnight if you jump ship and quit your job. Like there's steps, there's, there's leaps in between where you currently are and becoming the person that's capable of, of following that passion. Uh, um, yeah, and I think I, both I, of those agree. things are super sk- important. It's the skill part that's also left out. I totally agree. You, you don't have, if you don't have the skills to provide value for people, how could you ever expect that it would be financially viable? There needs to be a time of developing those skills and there needs to be a time and a period for deliberate practice, which is different from doing your work. If you do your work, that's doing your work and maybe you get better, you know, haphazardly, but it's not guaranteed that you're going to improve if you're not zooming in, honing in on those areas, those problem areas where you, you're not doing something right. You know, if it's, if it's piano, maybe you're not, you're not doing your scales right. Maybe your fingering is off and you always get caught up when you're trying to perform a song. You know, the, the difference between doing your work and actually practicing deliberately is like playing one-on-one basketball with your friend. Playing one-on-one basketball with your friend It's just like doing the work, but shooting 100 free throws is deliberate practice. If you've identified your weak spot to be at the free throw line, there needs to be a time where you're honing that skill, where you're developing your abilities. And the problem with just quitting your job and taking the leap is you now have to make ends meet. You've got to do whatever it takes to put food on the table and you don't have time for what feels like a luxury of developing your skills, but it's so much more than a luxury. It's, it's a necessity. Absolutely. And, and for, um, for those of you listening who listen to multiple episodes of the show, you'll remember this concept from episode 173, how to get better at anything. Um, the idea being that if you 
just showing up and doing a thing isn't what gets you better. You actually have to try to get better. And, and that's what deliberate practice is, is the process of trying to improve. Um, so, so Sean, I want to, before we get too far off track, I, I want to have you just very clearly outline you were a window washer. And, and then I believe the next jump was, was doing computer repair. And, and then what happened after that? So there was a period where uh, I was in a band and we went full time with the band, you know, kind of took that leap and I quit the window washing job and we were full time for all of three months. And then we suddenly realized, oh, we need to make money. And uh, we decided to, I mean, I guess it was fortunate because that's when I got, I got started with business because I didn't want to quit the band at the time. Uh, but I, I wanted to make money and no job would have been flexible enough to let us tour. And so I just started my own business on the side, which was computer repair. Uh, and then a bunch of clients were saying, can you do web design? And I said, uh, sure. And so I figured out how to do web design and it turned into a web firm. And then on the side doing hand lettering, eventually going full time with hand lettering. I was, I was making money through I, I first started it as a hobby thinking there's no way I could make money at hand lettering, but it was just something to do in my spare time because it was fun. Like I didn't think, oh, someday I'll make half a million dollars as, as an artist drawing letters. That seemed absurd to me. But I gradually found out that there are three really reliable ways of making money from virtually any niche, which are client work, products, and teaching. Essentially, performing services for others, doing client work, selling your own products. They could be digital, they could be physical, and then teaching what you know. And I find that the last one, uh, teaching, it naturally comes in third because by the time you've worked with clients and produced and sold and shipped and marketed your own products, you've learned a lot. And a lot of people feel like, oh, I could never teach. Honestly, like, I thought I really totally bought into the, the mentality that those who can do and those who can't teach. And I thought I'm going to be the best person who is a doer. You know, I don't want to teach. But I realized that it, it's, it's not that experts teach. People think, oh, I can't teach because I'm not an expert. But people see you as an expert because you teach. It's actually the other way around. And, and we're looking to the masters. We're looking to the people who are so much smarter than us, so much more experienced than us in our industry. And we're thinking, I could never teach because these people know more than me. But those people aren't your audience. All you need to know to teach is more than any one other person. So if you are, let's say, you know, level 10 is a master and you're thinking, I'm a level three or a level four. I'm not that far along. Well, you know enough to teach the level one person you know enough. All you have to do is think about what do I wish I would have known when I got into this? What would have made it easier for me? What would have saved me a bunch of time when I got started? And those are things that you can teach. And teaching, whether that comes in the form of speaking, doing a workshop, doing a course, writing a book, that's yet another way that you can monetize virtually anything you're doing. And so you're not you know, any, any one of us who have ever made money once, like a lemonade stand, or we did one commissioned art piece, or one, we built an app for one client. We made a little bit of money. Maybe it was 50 bucks. Maybe it was a few hundred bucks. Maybe it was even a thousand dollars. The one time we made money doing that one thing, we tend to do this really basic math and say, well, if I want to make a living and I want to make, you know, X thousand dollars a month, 
I'm going to need to do 10 of those jobs a month or 50 or 100. But really, you talk to any entrepreneur, even if it seems like they're making their money from one source, almost all of them started out with one thing and eventually built up diversified sources of income. So you're not relying on any one source. You're relying on client work, products, and teaching. Support for this episode comes from SaneBox. SaneBox is the cure to a flooded email inbox. And let's be honest, that's a problem we all suffer from. I know you. You're a fan of personal development and trying to improve your life. I also know that as a result of this, you get a ton of newsletters and email blasts, not to mention any networking or other outgoing email you might be doing. I get it because, frankly, I have the same issue. I can take the time to get to inbox zero, but most of it is garbage, and frankly, it's just a waste of my time. That's where SaneBox comes in. When I hook up my email to SaneBox, they use algorithms and robots and all kinds of other fancy stuff to figure out what's important and what's garbage. They then make sure I only see the stuff that's important by moving the garbage over to a new folder called Sane Later. And not to worry, sometimes the robots don't know what you would consider important and not important. And that's why the team created a nifty drag and drop feature. So if the bot goes through and there's still some unimportant stuff, you can just drop it into the same later folder. From that point on, the bot will learn and the mistake won't be repeated. Cool, right? Head over to www.sanebox.com slash tiny leaps to get a free trial plus $20 towards your membership. Honestly, just give it a shot. Having a cleaner inbox is an important step to being more productive, which I know is something you value. So head over to www.sanebox.com slash tiny leaps to get a free trial and $20 towards your membership. We got millions of reasons to let it all go. Um, it's it's so funny. I keep plugging my other content, but everything that you're talking about is is so intertwined with my own beliefs that I've done content on it. Um, and and many of you listening or or who are familiar with the YouTube have have seen a video I put out called How to Make More Money, and and it's this concept exactly. It's you start with uh, non leveraged income, so so that's your your wage, your salary, or your client work. And, and from there, you build up other sources that can utilize money as sort of a, a lubricant of, of allowing those sources to run without your uh, trading of one hour for X number of dollars. Um, but I, I want to. Uh, so, so what I'm most curious about with your career path specifically is. How important do you think each of those steps were? And and what I mean by that is, let's say that you could re- rewind the clock, go back to that day as uh, a window washer, as you're standing on that that's top step, uh, fearing for your life. And and if a genie had popped up and said, "Hey, here's the idea for Sean West. Here's the idea for hand lettering course. Here's the idea for all the things that you're currently doing." Do you think that you could have executed on it back then? 
and and saved time or do you think the steps in between were important that's a great question i honestly don't know i i maybe could have saved some time i certainly made a lot of steps along the way or uh, missteps i should say along the way um but i think there's value in recognizing that the journey is not a straight line i might have been able to save some time um but when i look back on my journey and you know i recognize this theme of overlapping which is what i've codified with the book uh i think that one thing is going to lead you to the next thing and we're so afraid of picking the wrong thing we feel like we're standing in in a forest and there's 360 degrees of options all around us or if you never go outside like me maybe you're sitting in your office chair and you know you're spinning around in your office chair you feel like there's a, a 360 degree circle around you of all these possible directions you could go you could pursue any, any one of your many passions who knows maybe maybe you pick the wrong thing what if i start heading in the wrong direction and we end up feeling paralyzed we stay in the same place because we're so afraid of picking the wrong direction that we don't progress at all. But you can't steer a parked car. You have to start with action. You have to start with movement and then you can course correct. Instead of 360 degrees of options in a circle around you, it's more like a starting line of a race. You're at this starting line. It's, it's a white line painted on the asphalt and all of the arrows point forward. There's just a bunch of arrows along the starting line. They all point forward. It doesn't matter which one you pick. It doesn't matter if you pick the quote unquote wrong thing because the wrong thing is going to lead you to the right thing. Was, was the band the wrong thing for me because I didn't end up making a living from it? I'm, I'm not still in the band or was it a necessary step? Because later on when I produced my own course and my own podcast, I created, I recorded custom music for those. And that added an element of, of, you know, personal, like it it just, it was like a little personal touch. You know, I was able to do the music or the screencast recordings and curriculum that I developed in the web firm that allowed me the ability to more easily create my own hand lettering course later on, just because one thing is a failure or, or it doesn't pan out or you don't end up doing it forever. Doesn't mean it was the wrong move. You're going to find that from from each thing that you do, you take things with you, things that you learned, mistakes that you made, and they're going to come back to serve you in ways you can't even predict. Oh, 100%. Um, and, and I mean, I've seen that in my own path as well. So many things that I thought at the time were, were wastes of time because I was excited about them in the beginning and, and then just stopped doing them and jumped to the next thing uh, have served me from a skill perspective or from uh, a networking perspective or from just a general sort of changed philosophy of life perspective in, in so many ways. Um, but, but just so that, you know, we can, uh, codify this, would you say that, that each of those steps, each of those tiny leaps, let's call them, would you say that they were a part of the process of getting to where you are? A hundred percent. I mean, I'd say a thousand percent, but I think a hundred percent covers it. Totally. totally. It's, <laughs> so it's so the, do me a favor and just say tiny leaps is the reason I am where I am now. Tiny leaps is the reason I am where I am now. 
All right, you heard it here first, people. I'm going to pull that out of context. Uh, Sean West is crediting Greg Clunas with bringing him to where he is. Uh, there you um, go. <laughs> in all seriousness, though, when when you were on that journey before Sean West was even a thought, did it? I mean, did it feel like any of this stuff would be connected? Like when you were in the band and, and eventually transitioned out in that moment, did it feel like, oh, well, you know, that was kind of a waste of time or, or it felt disconnected from the next thing, which was fixing computers, which is kind of the opposite. <laughs> it, uh, it, I, I guess it didn't totally feel like a failure. It just felt like, you know, that was all right. I guess I got some out of it, but it didn't pan out. That wasn't the direction I was supposed to go. It wasn't until many years later that I realized so many things that I learned from that would, would continue to serve me, you know, working mm-hmm. with clients, doing computer repair, writing invoices, learning about taxes and accounting, all that stuff helped me with the web firm. It helped me as a freelancer. Uh, I didn't see it for many years, but uh, yeah, it ended up being beneficial. Steve Jobs has this really great, great quote that I love. Um, You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Would you, would you say that's accurate? Yeah, I think that makes sense. You know, when you look back, you like, I mean, this is all of us. We like to create pretty stories. We see the past through rose-colored glasses, and we want mm. to make it. We want to put a sepia filter on it. You know, we want to <laughs> like make it pretty. We want to tell it a certain way. What I like to do is I like to iterate in public. As I go, I like to make mistakes and share what I'm learning as I'm learning it, and document the journey because that way I can't rewrite history. When I look back, there's documentation. You know, I've been sharing. Mm-hmm. I've been sharing what works, what hasn't. I can't go back and rewrite history, which sometimes is is really frustrating. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you this. I set out to write three books in a month. I was going to write this, this series of books and I was going to do it in one month. And so if the books were going to be 80,000 words each, I set out at a pace to write 240,000 words in a month, which is about, uh, I don't know, I think it's like 8,000 words a day or something. Um, Jeez. Yeah, 8,000 words a day. So I set out at this pace. And on day four, by the way, in addition to writing that many words, I was journaling the process of writing this book and live streaming it. So I can't go (laughs) undo any of this. By day four, Greg, I realized, you know what? These three books should be one book because they don't have different audiences. It's, It's for the same person in different stages. And I realized I was making people have to go find out, oh, there's more books to this series. And, and I realized that was silly. And so I decided I'm going to combine it all. And I looked at this and I'm like, that is the stupidest story. You know, <laughs> Now people know I was going to write three books and it turned into one and it's so dumb. And if I would have gone back, I would have, I, I would have changed it. And I wanted to tell a different story, but I couldn't. It was there. It was documented. I was sharing it live and it was something that I couldn't undo. But you know what? The, the process is messy. And, and sometimes that's what the journey looks like. And even though I set out to write three books, the nice thing is I set out at this crazy pace of 8,000 words a day and I ended up finishing the book in 14 days. So there was an upside. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, so much of, and, and I think this is something we all sort of need to accept. 
um, the story is never pretty. Like it's, it's, there is never once in the history of humanity been a good looking story. If you look at the actual story, like you, like you said, we rewrite history after it's happened. And, and so if you look at the day to day, it's always that it's always setting out with one thing and then realizing because you're now taking action, realizing, oh, well, this isn't actually that this is something else. And, and one of the things that the art community loves to, to talk about with their art is the, the painting sort of tells you what it wants to be. Um, it, as you set out with your idea of what it is you you feel like you want to do, you're working on it and you start to realize, well, you know, this idea doesn't actually make much sense. It's actually more like this and, and uh, this piece needs to actually be represented this way. And, and eventually you come out at the end with something that is very different from what you set out to do, but is what it what it should be. And, and that's how that's how creativity works. I love that. And, and so tying it back to the Steve Jobs quote, it's true. You can't connect the dots looking forward. And yet we have this idea, this image of perfection in our mind. You, to, to borrow the art example, we have this picture that we want to translate from our mind to the canvas. And what comes out doesn't look like that image. And that's what frustrates us. You know, it's that that perfectionism. And so in many cases, we don't take action at all, but all that's holding you back is taking the next imperfect step. Absolutely. That is, that is, that is, that is so, that's a great way of summing it up. Take the next imperfect step. Um, so I, I know we're, we're a little bit over the 39 minute mark. My listeners are actually used to 15 minute episodes, but uh, they, they do love these longer interviews. Uh, I want to jump into um, one thing. And it, what strikes me about that sort of zigzagging path you took is that they're all very different skill sets. Um, you know, you went from window washing to, to being in the band, to computer repair, to web design, to hand lettering, to running a, a teaching business to launching a conference to uh, producing media to writing a book like these are all very different skill sets and like how how did you approach making those shifts because obviously you didn't have those skills when you were looking at the opportunity you you must have just jumped into it blindly at least a little bit you know, when I look back, the only thing I can think is maybe, just maybe it had something to do with being homeschooled. I mean, like my, my mom was my teacher and she, she taught me, but I was also the oldest of, uh, I am the oldest of 13 kids. And so oh wow, there's, yeah, it's, uh, there, there were a lot of people that she had to teach. And so <laughs> to, to a large, you know, a large portion of it, we were encouraged. Wait, hold on. Yeah. You're the, the oldest of 13 and they're all homeschooled? Yep. My gosh, your mother's a legend. Yes. <laughs> we, we were very encouraged to learn is, is my point. You know, I, I probably read every book in our house at least once. And it was, it was very self-initiated. Like we weren't held back by... Uh, something arbitrary like the classroom or the curriculum, we could go as far and as fast as we wanted to go. And we were always encouraged to learn. And so I think if anything, uh, homeschooling taught me to learn, to, to learn to love learning, I guess. Like I, I loved learning. And I think if you love learning, 
then nothing is unattainable for you. And so for me, it was never with, with anything. It was, it was never like, I can't do that. It was, I can learn that. That's, you should, um, I can learn that you should, you should put that on a t-shirt or a mug or something. Cause I, I would personally buy that. Um, nice. I just said that for the first time. So I'm writing it down. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, will make that a, a tiny leaps exclusive mug. Um, <laughs> Okay, so uh, for the people listening, there's a couple of really huge themes that I'm pulling from this, and, and I, I just want to make sure I state them clearly so that you guys uh, can walk away with these as well, as, as well as your own takeaways, because you have different experiences than I have, and, and so you're hearing this interview much differently than I am. Um, but the two big things that I'm hearing is, first... Sean has approached his entire career and, and what seems to be his entire life with a, just an open willingness to learn. He, he embraced early on that he was capable of learning pretty much anything and as long as he had enough time and enough resources. And that allowed him to make some pretty major career leaps along the way, career leaps that each new uh, the thing he did gave him a new skill and, and all of those skills eventually combined into what he's currently doing and enabled him to become that person who's capable of running a multi six figure education business and, and launching a conference and writing a book and publishing a book and uh, just the thousands of things that he's doing. Um, and, and the second is that nothing's ever really wasted the skills and experiences you gain on the way up in your career will pretty much always serve you when you land on the thing you want to do. I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, this is something I've noticed with my own career. The This podcast, the, the audio of this podcast is heavily influenced by the time I spent, the three years I spent as an electronic music producer, because during that time, I developed an ear for good audio. And so when producing this, I, I really prioritized good audio. Oh, you um, you produce electronic music too? Uh, yeah, I spent a good amount of time doing that actually, mostly. And, and actually each of the, the, uh, episodes of this show features an, an independent music producer specifically for that reason, because it's something I personally love. Um, so I'm kind of forcing it on my audience a little bit. That's awesome. We got to talk more about that. Cause I, I, same thing for me, like obviously I was in the band, but I, I did electronic music production and totally, you're totally right. Like that, that helps in a huge way with podcast production. 100%. So I mean, I, I just want to make sure that I, I pull these themes out because they, to me, seem like the biggest factors that have allowed you to get where you are because, and, and I, no offense, but you're not special. I mean, anyone who had the same experiences you had could have come out where you currently are. And, and, and so if there's anything truly incredible about what you've done, I think it's that willingness to learn and, and just understanding and, and maybe this was not intentional at, at first but now that you're looking back understanding that each of those steps is, is what has put you in the position you currently are so kudos to you man hey thanks so much i really appreciate you highlighting all of those and pulling those out and letting me be on the show and let letting us go a little bit long here too Absolutely. Um, so before we, we head out, I've got a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Uh, let's see. We've got four here. 
And then I've got a quick community shout out, somebody who is a, a big fan of your stuff and, and was super excited when I mentioned earlier that I was, was going to be uh, interviewing you. So I want to make sure I give her a shout out. But, oh, nice. Uh, quick rapid fire. So in as few words as possible and in as little time thinking as possible, biggest business lesson you've learned so far? Don't hire too fast. I learned, I learned the lesson of delegating and getting over superhero syndrome. What I didn't learn until years later was that you don't want to scale until you have something that works. If you don't know that what you have works, if you're, if you don't have a solid business model, you're scaling a problem and then you'll have a bigger problem. That that's really solid. And that's actually not something you hear very often. Um, okay. What is the number one quality you have that aided your success? And I just personally pointed out two of them, but I want to hear what you think it is. Tenacity. I, maybe it's because I'm the oldest of 13. Maybe it's my personality type, but I have to be the best. I have to win. And it's not compared to anyone else. It's compared to myself. I, 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 I have to do the best that I can. I have to fulfill my potential and I'm not going to stop until I reach that point. So competing against myself and then being tenacious about it. And it, it's so funny. Um, for those of you listening who maybe aren't familiar with, with Sean, uh, if you look him up online and, and you look at a picture of him, you think, oh, that's such a sweet, like caring guy. And then you hear him talk and you realize he cut your throat if you were a competitor of this. Um, <laughs> oh, so it's a, it's we, a little we, jarring. We call it a, a harsh, Sean. I, I just don't mince words. You know, I like to, I like to say it like it is. <laughs> um, all right. What book, podcast, or digital resources are you currently following? I have to put a plug for the 10X rule. That really? is... Uh, uh, See, I, I, I like Grant sometimes. He's a little tough to deal with other times oh yeah is the book really worth it the the book is the thing that is worth it with grant now you have to i like to be a gold miner you know i don't agree with 100 percent with really anyone i mean probably even myself yesterday but i try and be a gold (laughs) miner and learn from every person and i i definitely if you follow grant cardone you know that you have to be a gold miner with him he can sometimes be a little little crazy right but the 10x rule is gold. If I could recommend one book in the world, it completely hands down the 10X rule, it'll change your life. All right. I guess I have to pick it up then. Um, and, and for those of you listening, that's Grant Cardone, uh, 10X rule. Um, okay. Last question. Number one skill you learned that has enabled your growth. I guess I have to say learning as a perfectionist, as a perfectionist, to embrace 90% perfect. And because that feels like the ultimate sin, it feels like, you know, I'm, oh, I'm putting out terrible work. But as a perfectionist, you have to realize your standards for quality are unreasonably high. And if, if they cause paralysis, then you're never going to ship. And so it's lowering Mm -hmm. that bar mentally. If you're a perfectionist to 90% and realizing, Hey, you can iterate after that. Uh, it's going to help you get unstuck. Perfect. And what about a, uh, a hard skill, like something we could go to like lynda.com and learn? Hmm. Lynda.com. I mean, I would say, uh, public speaking. I don't okay. know. Does that count as a hard skill? Yeah, I think that's a hard skill. 
because I, I, a lot of people don't have what I call a hybrid voice, which is the ability to speak. And if your words were to be transcribed, you'd have something very legible, almost perfect and ready to go for something like a book. And also, if you write and read what you wrote, no one would be able to tell you were reading. That's what I call a hybrid voice. And that's something mm. that, that develops over, over a long period of time, but only if you're very deliberate about, about it. You know, reading what you wrote, memorizing it, delivering it from memory, recording yourself, listening back, transcribing what you wrote. If you do a podcast and you edit yourself or you write show notes of what you said and transcribe yourself, you're going to be well along your way to developing that hybrid voice. But yeah, public speaking in general... Uh, a lot of people are really timid about it. They're scared to get on a, you know, a live stream or get in front of people. Man, you got to get in front of people. You have to become comfortable with that because you need people's attention. You have to make yourself known. People need to know, like, and trust you. And if they're going to know you, you're going to need to put yourself out there. 100%. And I want to make sure I state this because I know a lot of the introverts listening will take that advice and sort of dismiss it and say, oh, well, that's for extroverts. Not true. Just because you're introverted does not mean that you shouldn't be talking to the world. All introverted versus extroverted means is where you thrive and pull your energy. But that doesn't mean that people and in, in, in being in front of others doesn't matter for, for your career. Because trust me, the people that move ahead, it's not because they're extroverted. It's because they're willing to get in front of people. That's so true. I am so incredibly introverted. I don't know if you can beat this record, Greg, but I, my record, I'm not saying this because I'm proud. I'm saying this because, you know, I'm the craziest. Uh, <laughs> my record is not leaving the house for eight days. Oh, I can beat that in a heartbeat. I mean, it, I can beat that if you count high school and college. <laughs> Uh, now I kind of have to because I work full time, but trust me, if I, if I was still solo, I would probably never leave the house. Um, okay. Sean, I I just want to take a moment. I want to thank you so much for being here. I want to thank you for everything you've done, everything that you've personally taught me both on this show and over the years of, of listening to you and, and watching your stuff. Um, I know for a fact that the Tiny Leaps community, uh, the G Squad, as I'm slowly starting to call them, uh, is, is I know they got a ton of value out of this. I know that they're they're going to go and pick up your book, and and it's going to be an incredible read. Uh, before we go, I want to shout out Karen Kerbau. I believe that's how you say her last name. If it's not, I deeply apologize. Um, but she says. His podcast, Lambo Goals, was the first I started listening to. I've pre-ordered his book. I'm glad to hear that it's as spot on as I figured it would be, referring to my early review of it. Uh, I don't have any questions for him, but I just wanted to say that I love his work and I can't wait to hear your episode with him. So Karen, thank you so much for letting uh, Sean know that. Sean, she's a fan and, uh, and, and she's got your book. So oh, thank you so know. much. Thank you so much, Karen really, really means a lot to me. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Sean, where can we learn more about you? Where can we pick up your book? I know there are 10,000 screaming fans out there ready to go and click buy. So, so where do we go? Oh my gosh. Well, I, I actually want to do all of your listeners a favor. I mean, obviously 
I, I would appreciate your support if you want to buy the book, but I'm actually going to do something special. If you are listening to this before the book launches on September 14th. So anytime before that, if you're listening to this, if you made it this far, I would like to give you the audiobook for free. Anyone listening to this, we're going to sell it for $20 or more after the launch. But if you're listening early, I want to give you the entire audiobook for Overlap for free. All you have to do is go to overlapbook.com slash tiny leaps. Overlapbook.com slash tiny leaps. That is, that is an amazing offer. Thank you so much, man. And, I, and we know the listeners love audio. Like they're listening to this show, so they must love audio. Um, and, and listen, if you guys are already in the podcast app, this is what I want you to do. And this is a personal favor to me. Type in, in the search bar, Sean West podcast and click subscribe on his show and go to overlapbook.com slash tiny leaps. And, and if you do that and you jump into the Facebook community and say, hey, I did that, it'll mean the absolute world to me. Like I, I, I could not thank you enough. Um, so again, type in Sean West podcast, go subscribe, uh, listen to the immense knowledge that, that this gentleman has and head over to overlapbook.com slash tiny leaps, pick up a free copy off the audiobook before it launches, uh, which the day this publishes, it'll be like two weeks until it launches. So you've got two weeks, but you're going to want to do it now. Um, again, Sean, thank you so much for this. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your experience. Thank you for your knowledge. And thank you for being willing to share it all with us today. Uh, thank you, Greg. I really appreciate the kind words. I'm so incredibly honored to be here. It was my pleasure. So with that, I just want to leave you guys with a quick reminder that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Every day. Yeah.